Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. And welcome to Security Insecure, the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. My guest this week is a music maker, a documentary maker, the founder of the Unlikely Dads Club, a mental health campaigner, and a dad. Plus, if you've been watching him on Freezer Fit on BBC One, abseiling down mountains and jumping into zero-degreed ice water, you know that with built resilience comes no fear for my guest today. I've been wanting to talk to him for so long, just simply to thank him. Thank him for helping men just simply speak up about how they feel. So it's with thanks to Pampers for this interview. I'm delighted to welcome to Sukhini Skur, Stephen Manderson, also known as Professor Green. Hello, Professor or Stephen. Hello, mate. What an intro. Thank you. Um, how are you? I, I'm so delighted to speak to you because I've obviously followed your journey for a couple of years since you made that documentary. And you've just changed in my friendship group with boys around that I associate myself with the conversation, the conversations that we're having now just to be more open. And that's all thanks to you, my friend. That's that, wow. Thank you. Well, thank you. That's incredibly kind and to have any kind of impact, you know, which I guess was what I sort of somehow naively stumbled into. But it, it, it's important, isn't it? And it took me until, you know, I'm late 30s now. It took me until my early 30s to, for me and my mates, to even be okay with being like, unless we were drunk, you know, saying I love you. You know, now we don't put the phone down without saying it because you don't know what's going to happen one day to the next. And it's important, I think, just to be, you know, we, we, we all feel these things. Why don't we talk about them? You know, what, exactly. what makes them so different? What makes men so different? Why do, why are we so unwilling to engage with emotions beyond the one single emotion we're most renowned for, which is anger, which is really just the product of, you know, suppressing everything else that we feel, the testosterone that we produce as well. <laughs> well, this is the thing, because we kind of have had your documentary about suicides, which everyone needs to go and watch, about you and your father, and then Roman Kemp, about his uh, his producer, Capital FM, Joe, who lost his life last year. And so we've had to wait for these documentaries about suicide to just open up these conversations, but we shouldn't have to wait for it to get to be that bad before quite we severe. just have to speak out. Yeah, it's quite severe, isn't it? I think it's really just social construct, isn't it? It's society. Yeah, I think there's also just a lot of a lot of barriers that exist for, for anyone, not just men, exist because we put them there. You know, we're influenced because we're insecure. We don't feel secure enough to be open or honest with how we feel and to share that. There is such thing as oversharing, though. It's not just like, this is the thing, but I think there's 
almost a, a point at which you reach like a hyper awareness and over awareness and people start to self-diagnose and sadness becomes depression tiredness becomes depression you know it things can become bigger than than they perhaps are it's difficult you know some people will overshare and that's give or take down to generally an, an insecurity and feeling the necessity to explain themselves and there's so much to the psychology of it all which i'm not a psychologist like I, you know this is all just through reading through conversation through trying to understand people a lot of time spent trying to understand myself um you spend like your childhood learning behaviors and coping mechanisms and ways to survive and then if you're wise enough to do the work you kind of spend your late 20s early 30s in my experience unlearning things you know you find yourself in places where like I don't I don't need what I needed to survive when I was younger in the places I find myself now definitely not something that I want to pass on to to my child so I need to unlearn those behaviors and become less reactive in my situation. You know, that's, that's something that I've had to put work into and continue to put work into when you've been a certain way for, for 20 odd years, it's quite difficult just to undo that at the drop of a hat. In fact, impossible. It takes, takes conscious effort to change something, which is all too often subconscious. There's so much to unpick in that, Stephen. Uh, I think the first thing to do is for those that don't know your story, you grew up with your mum and grandma in Hackney. And so you had these two dominant female led people training you teaching you the life lessons and then obviously being in the hackney environment that would have also been different so hackney versus north london for example so that environment must have given you one way of life but then that's what you've had to change over the time as you've grown up. it was my it was my grandmother and my great-grandmother my mum was present but she wasn't living at the house beyond when i was a year old they were hard women though my great-grandmother was was very soft with me i think that happened as as generations go on you know, parents are often softer grandparents than they are parents, in my experience anyway. And my great-grandmother was, she was very gentle with me and very kind and very caring. Um, and my nan was obviously very kind and very caring, but she was very, is very stoic. It's very quite stiff, rich upper lip. She had to get through things. And that's the hangover from what she had to endure. She was a single mother of three before me. And then she raised her grandson and looked after her her own mother until she passed when I was 13, which, you know, is, is testament to how strong she was, but there's a, or how hard she was able to be to endure and to survive that. And I think there's a, it's difficult. You, you Resilience is important, right? You mentioned resilience early on, and that is, is incredibly important and give or take for the most part, how do we learn resilience? We survive, or do we survive trauma, which is quite tough because if you only learn resilience by way of trauma, you're, you know, you're, you're suffering, which I think is why therapy is a great thing to access when you're not at a point of crisis, which is why I think it's a smart idea to jump into freezing cold water because there's a knock-on effect and actually that physical stress, which is a positive stress. There are such things as positive stresses like heat therapy, like cold therapy, which don't encourage or provoke the production of cortisol, the stress hormone. They encourage the, you know, the, the spikes in dopamine and things that make you happier and more robust and more resilient. And actually putting yourself under that physical stress makes, it gives you a stronger mental resilience as well. Well, that stronger resilience, uh, as we said, coming away from the environment, it's the fact that I think now, and it's what's interesting for you is that you built up so much resilience, you've gone through so much trauma, you then came out to the public as Professor Green, released your music, that was your catharsis. But now you've become Stephen, it's almost like you've changed the identity. Obviously, we now know you for mental health, we know you for your documentaries, we know you for being more of a celebrity, and you're unlike your dad's couple on Instagram. So 
have you changed the way that you look in the world now from being Professor Green to actually just being Stephen and, and being the public profile of Stephen? Mm, not really. They were always just one in the same because I was always really like I was always really honest in my music. I, the artist that I when people would talk about rap and the bravado attached to it, I was always like, yeah, but there's another side to it. So it, it isn't just that. It isn't just about. I've overcome adversity to have money, so I'm gonna show it and I'm not gonna feel any way about it, which is often misunderstood as well. There's a type of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, which I tried and it didn't work for me. It works for a lot of people, but a cornerstone of that is journaling, which is writing down what you think, feel, or observe at any given point so you have it for perspective. You can always return to how you felt a week ago and see how much you've changed, your, you know, how you think, feel, or see something in just a week or a day even, because how how you feel changes that quickly and that's something to to remind people of whatever you feel is temporary it's not permanent things pass given time um but i was essentially journaling from the point that i started to write music because all the all of the artists that i listened to growing up put what they thought felt and saw in their music and that was what i identified with so when i started to make music it was what i put into my music so i was always telling the story that i'm telling now just by a different medium. That's it. And your music obviously is coming back. You've signed with Cooking Vinyl last yeah, year man. to release some new music. So uh, as you said, it is part of your journaling and it is that form of therapy. So is it now not being, well, I've got to get on Radio 1. I've got to get playlists on Capital. I need to get that number one because that for me is the validation. Now this is you. This is the it's journaling so for you. Yeah, like, to be honest, I wasn't even going for, like I never wrote a song about my dad's suicide and expected it to become a number one single, which is what happened with Read All About It. It was never, do you know what I mean? I didn't go to the studio and bleed my heart out. To, to, to I didn't, I just, it, it doesn't happen often, like where a, song's, where a song is that meaningful and that successful, you know? There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pink and fluffy stuff in there that, you know, it seems to rise to the top or that people just like having fun too. Um, but then you have songs like The Verve, Drugs Don't Work, which people think is about addiction. This is why I believe that explanation can kill art, but I'm going to explain like the drugs don't work to most people is about addiction, but it wasn't, it was about his dad passing. Similarly to read all about it, but a different situation than it was just a literal situation for him in that the drugs didn't work for his father anymore. He was in terrible, terrible pain and he had to watch him pass. Most people wouldn't even remember that song as a number one, remember the song, but wouldn't remember it as a number one single, but it was, and I think it's a rare occasion that that happened. So it wasn't even a case of seeking validation. It was those things happened, and I realized that happiness was something that I was, I wasn't, so even like I said, if I got a number one, I'd be happy, but you would assume from the outside that if you achieve something like that, you would just be happy. Like I thought, if I become successful in music, I'll just be happy. I'll be absolved of my past, you know, stupidly. Like that. That, that's where happiness is. If I become successful, if I do well, if I achieve, if I, if I, I guess, yeah, if I receive validation without realizing, probably validation probably wasn't even a word in my vocabulary that I used too often then. You assume that happiness comes with success, with financial security, which I wouldn't even say that I quite have yet due to one reason or another. And it, you, you just think, you, you know that and that's actually not where happiness is you know it's not an external thing and people can say what they want you know I think joy I used to say content should be your baseline but I believe joyous should probably be your your baseline and happiness is something that you feel as is 
as is sadness. And these are all things that I've thought over, experienced, spent a long time dealing with, going through. And now I have a kid, it's really important to me. The one thing is just, you know, just trying to be as good a father as I can, which I realize there's no such thing as, you know, a perfect parent. And all too often parents put themselves in a situation where they struggle, whether they're open and honest about that or not. I think with men, quite often not. Um, where they feel like they're not doing a good enough job because of the pressure they're putting themselves under, which is ultimately stopping them from doing what they would otherwise be doing really well. It's so interesting because if you bring that all together, the word joyous, happiness, hope even, you could bring that all together. And to me, it's and success, it's like... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Goal. It's like the end. So the way I always see it is when you die, that's when you've reached your full potential of happiness, joy, success. Yeah. Any of those words that you want to use. And you as a father, you know, yes, you've got a baby right now, but how do you know you're going to be a good father when those big hurdles, if he goes through a divorce, for example, if he goes through pain, that's when you're going to step up yet again after the baseline. So you're never going to be the best father you can be until it's got to that point where you've done everything. And that's this, not my process is this is why process is so important right and people and i think as with, with just with how things are digested and consumed nowadays there's this immediacy and no no respect or appreciation for things that take time which is why we're, we're losing certain crafts you know because things that require patience are not being handed down because a machine can do something albeit not with the the craft or you know the the the, the human touch but the way things are consumed, the immediacy, you said, right, so there's no love for the process. There's no appreciation for the process. And the process is the all-important part because that's, you know, for me, I always say it's not 
the beginning is the line of a song which hasn't come out yet it's not the beginning or the end it's all in the middle it's the bit in between you know yeah and people people all too often want what is the end goal as you so so wonderfully put you know they want the end goal to be the constant throughout their life that's not life life is the bit in the middle there's a beautiful poem called the dash i don't know if you've ever come across that and it basically talks about the year you were born the dash and the year that you die as if you're on a tombstone and it's that dash which is the most important bit it's an amazing poem and it's all about that middle bit because if you you know i've been single my whole life but i will have a girlfriend and a wife at some point so just because that didn't happen at 21 doesn't mean at 34 or 40 or 50, whenever it is, it doesn't make a difference. You became a late father at 37. That doesn't yeah. mean just because you weren't a dad at 16 or 18, like your father or 20, that you're not a good enough dad. It happened. It's in the moment. And that's your journey that you're on. Completely. AJ, not about a number. Well, that's it. But also, I think talking of numbers, there's a weird world that we live in now with social media. You know, everything's about the number. On TikTok, you can put a video up. It blows up. You get 2 million followers. You think you're an influencer. You think that you're, you know, a spokesperson for the world. You're a manifester and you're going to preach to everyone just because you've done one video. And it's like, it <laughs> takes time to do that. Not everyone Not could every be the next Jay Shetty. No, but I mean, even down to the point of like things being viral now, like that, that's, it's part of like record labels are, are hilarious. You know, this is part of a marketing campaign now. We have to make something viral. That's never how it occurred. It was always organic. And I just think that even just this whole being viral thing, I, I think people are going to, things, it's always cyclical, isn't it? Things always go in cycles. And I do believe that we're due a little shift in, in things. I think there's a real want for voices of credibility and experience as opposed to hype and current being the currency. A hundred percent. And that's why, you know, we've kind of gone back to bubble gum pop of having dance moves for every song because of TikTok. And you have to learn dances and the singer will put it on TikTok first to get that dance craze going. But we'll come away from that and we'll come back to the heart, which is what you're talking about. And that Tin Pan Ali music that was so brilliant in the 1920s where it was real and it was country songs and it was folk songs that were passed around because it was a story that meant something to that singer. Yeah, exactly. It came from a, a real place. I, I mean, yeah, country writers, blues writers. I mean, you go back to just, yeah, I, I'm not saying that there's not going to be brilliant records written now. There are still incredible songs written and there always will be. But I think there was, it, there was just, there was less then. You heard less, so it was much easier to hear what was really, really, really good. Whereas it's, it, you know, it's a, it's the gift and the curse of what we have currently, which is everyone has, give or take, has access to putting music out, which is brilliant because it gives people who would never have otherwise had a chance, a chance and an opportunity. But it also means that there's a hell of a lot of music to the point where I don't even... I'm not on top of, of absolutely everything that's that's out and in circulation because there's so much of it. Well, I, I look at the top 40. I don't recognise a single song. I listen to the radio every day. It's mad. Stephen, can we talk quickly about, because you spoke about the journaling side, what else do you do to focus on your mental health? Because I think for people who are listening, they know you as a mental health advocate. So I think it's really good to kind of give that impression of what is those little tools in the toolkit that you can do? Cold water therapy is something which if anyone saw Freeze the Fear on, on BBC One, they would have been aware of that. I, I, cold water therapy is something I'm interested in and, and do. But you know what? I think the most important thing to say here is that actually I slip up as well. All the things that I could tell you that I do to, to, to stay well and to look after my mental health, I sometimes fall out of the habit of doing. And the most important thing is having people around 
and an awareness myself to catch things and it's undoubtedly going to happen you know it, it's if especially if it's something that you're if depression or anything beyond that something more severe perhaps is something that you you suffer or are or are dealing with you're going to go through ups and downs and it's just about being able to catch them or have someone that's close enough to you and knows you well enough to catch you if you don't talking of catching and freeze the fear which you've brought up with the cold therapy what an incredible show my friend so you're around celebrities like Taz and Alfred, Gabby Logan, Polly and Lee Mack are hosting it. You're in the middle of nowhere. What you did, that resilience you needed for that, the love that you had for all of you, amazing, amazing. It was one of the most petrifying experiences of my life, second only to parenting and perhaps tsunamis. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you not do SAS Who Dares Wins or I'm just to get me out of here? You know, these shows that have got a bit more of a history. To go to a brand new show where, you know, we've seen what happened with The Jump, for example. You were going to be extreme. Yeah, there's no competitive element to it. So that was why I did it. People, I, I know someone who did The Island and just said, you know, don't ever do it unless you need to pay a tax bill. <laughs> kind, of what I think, kind of what I think about most of the other bits of television. I think there's a lot out there to see people broken down whether or not they build them back up again. Um, and psychologically, they're aware of what certain scenarios will put people through and what they're likely to get out of them. This is the one show, you know, we're talking about the credible voices over hype and what's current and whatever else. And this is a credible voice. You know, Wim's reason for doing this is to spread a method that he knows works as far as helping people deal with stress they encounter in their day-to-day -day lives that costs nothing that is free that you can do in 20 minutes by doing a breathing exercise that you can do in however long you want to spend in a cold shower or an ice bath and he is you know they tried so hard to disprove him that they ended up proving his method it's incredible it's incredible it's that fact of if you're about to jump off a plane that that moment of oh i don't know if i should jump but you're not being pushed but what you did was you had to build it up in your head you had to do it for yourself there was no one else around you you could take as long as you want or as short as you want but it, this was for you this is an experience that you will never forget despite the cameras you were given the opportunity for it yeah. but you did this for yourself yeah and it you know it was diff it was an enjoyable like at times difficult obviously experience but it was hard because i was away from my family and i have a relatively new family you know my kid is only a year and a month old and so for me going away for as long as i had to for that i was away for like four weeks you know and my partner is an actress so she's away often as well work we have we both have quite demanding and difficult schedules as far as work and so you've got all of that going through your head as well you know especially when my child is as young as he is and developing as quickly as he is and things are changing as quickly as they are so I've got all that going through my head I'm trying to be present and in the moment and do everything that I've got in front of me but when I'm walking over a cliff I'm like is this a smart thing for a new parent to be doing she is you know and, and where's my pampers because I could do with a pair right now because I hate heights going over that cliff edge if you saw the first episode it was it wasn't easy. Look, you mentioned Pampers. Let's talk about Pampers. You're working with them for some new research. So what research have you found? So 93% of parents have all endured a punami, which is uh, an explosion of the nappy. It's when everything that's meant to be caught inside and captured inside the nappy makes its way out, which sounds funny. And there is some hilarity. The first time it happened to me, I was like, ah, the panic. You're like, what's that? You just get this, you know, you're holding your kid. Everything's all good. You're quite proud of yourself because you've got them dressed well. You think you've got everything right. And then something which was 
up until Pampers' invention of the stop and protect pocket, it was impossible to stop. It's distressing, to be honest, you know, with, I think it's about half of all parents have encountered that five or more times when they've been out of the house. And I can't tell you how distressing it actually is when you, you're in a social situation, there isn't a change in facility, you're without something that you should have brought. It becomes, you almost start to not want to, you know, it's, it's understand, you can understand why, right? The people are like, I actually don't want to leave the house. You know, I don't want to go and do that activity. I'm not going to go for that lunch because I'm scared of this happening. So we can all laugh about it because it, it, it's funny the first time it happens, but it's also quite a stress when you're thinking about leaving the house and you're worried about, do I have it? It, it becomes, it, it can make things become a, a stress more than they are a joy. So actually Pampers inventing the stop and protect pocket, it's ingenious and it works, which I mean, I can't tell you. Shemaine is a year and a month now and he was away for a month. In that time, things changed exponentially. And when I say things, I mean things. He came home and thank God he, he had one of the new nappies on because if he didn't I don't know what I would have done I mean Karima wasn't in the house and I was yelling out for her it was that bad it was um it was definitely a two-man job and it was only well man and woman in this case but I was at home on my own and even though everything was captured inside one of these brilliant nappies it was um it was tough Professor Green, Stephen, I, I can't thank you enough. The Unlikely Dads Club on Instagram is an amazing place to go and watch what parenthood looks like. Obviously, I've got no kids, but I like watching your Instagram page just to see what would I do if you're a father. Thank you so much to Pampers for arranging this interview. It's much appreciated. You've been listening to Security and Security with me, Johnny Secret. If you've liked what you heard, please do go and rate the podcast, subscribe, share it with your friends, and just spread the word it's okay to not be okay. Professor Green, Stephen Manderson, just an amazing person who I've loved following, opening up about their mental health. Why don't you do it? Why don't you open up? Ask that, have that conversation today because it's so important. I've been Johnny Seifert. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 